I was away for a couple of days for the first time in over a year. It was such a good opportunity to be on the road, and it felt so good. It also gave me a chance to catch up on no less than eight books in one two-hour drive, and that's because I was using this incredible app called Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more, so when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. That's really annoying. Blinkist is really unique, and it works on your phone, your tablet, or your web browser, Blinkist takes the best key takeaways, the need-to-know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes each that you can read or listen to. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com reach. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com reach to start your free seven-day trip trial and you'll also save 25% off but only when you go and sign up right now at blinkist.com slash reach That's the biggest countries in the world that are currently engaged in the sale and use of Bitcoin uh, and other cryptocurrencies. The United States isn't even the top five countries there. Really, it's Ukraine. Let me pull up a chart here so you get to follow along. It's, I can't read that, but it's Ukraine. Uh, Russia basically is the top two. Then it's Venezuela. Then it's China. And then it's uh, I think Kenya over there. So it's fascinating to me that those are the countries. Ukraine and Russia are basically, you know, from my experience, in, in covering Trump Russia, they're basically the same country, uh, especially the eastern part of Ukraine. They operate in, in very similar ways in terms of their mafia is shared, their mob is shared. And that's very important because my first time experiencing the story of, of Bitcoin or writing about Bitcoin came in 2017 when the Mt. Gox exchange collapsed. And it came to me then that there seems a real possibility that these collapses were not just happening organically. They were likely happening because the Russian leaders or the Russian mafia, whichever you want to call them, was using these exchanges to siphon billions of dollars, you know, billions of rubles probably, out of Russia into dollars and basically using these Bitcoin exchanges as money laundering vehicles. And that is why when Mt. Gox went down, Vladimir Putin was quoted as saying that he was, or was described as being mad as hell about it. Why would Vladimir Putin care about a, a Bitcoin exchange? He cares about it because probably it was housing a lot of his assets or this was using it to move assets from Russia to the rest of the world. It's a shady place, Bitcoin. And cryptocurrency has been a shady place all along. It's been run by organized crime. It's been run by people like Vladimir Putin or other leaders who have autocratic tendencies. This is how money gets funneled out of those countries into the West. And now we're being asked to adopt it and bless it here in America. And I want to get your take, any of you, but why don't we start with you, Dave, um, about what you think about 
that piece of it? Are we just allowing organized crime from Russia you know, backdoor entry into our system? Yeah, I think there's multiple different factors that are sort of converging to create multiple different effects at the same time. So on the one hand, you have uh, what, I, what we could call like the financial underworld that has taken a bit of a shine to Bitcoin. A lot of people, I think, overstate the fact that like it's primarily used for that kind of activity. I don't know if that's true any longer. There was a new report that came out last week that from it was produced by a firm called Chainalysis that um, kind of makes the statement that there's hardly any fraud or illicit activity on Bitcoin. I think that's also an overstatement. Mm -hmm. The truth is somewhere in between. There's a lot of legitimate use and then there's a lot of shady stuff going on as well. But the narrative of like Russian oligarch interests using it, I think is valid. There's We've seen some evidence of like political operatives being paid off with Bitcoin in exchange for participation in operations like January 6th or information ops, that kind of thing. So it's a playground for that kind of stuff. But at the same time, when you talk about Russia and China, Russia and China have recently announced that they are going to partner to try to fight the dollar's hegemony and, and erode U.S. dominance with respect to the dollar. And there's only so much that they can do on that strictly on their own without the input of, say, like other actors. Now, on the one hand, they may want to do that, but in order for that to work, China is going to have to basically reduce its reliance on dollars for things like its Belt and Road Initiative. And so everything's interconnected. Everything's interlocked. You can't just kind of decide to wage unilateral war on the dollar and still expect to get stuff done in the world. You have to do it in a measured way. So one strategy that I think that we may see as a way to erode confidence in the dollar, but particularly to erode confidence in the U.S. financial system, is to amplify any kinds of attacks that may occur in terms of driving people away from the traditional financial sector and the dollar into cryptocurrencies. And I think that that's something that this kind of January 6th linked network is in a position to do independently of, of Russia and China. And then Russia and China may decide to pile on to such a thing. So say, for example, that Elon Musk and Kanye West and Peter Thiel and a bunch of people decide to start, uh, you know, shilling, uh, cryptocurrency um, and to start, you know, raising questions about, uh, let's say, the, the ratio of the S&P to like the, the GDP, which Elon Musk actually did just the other day. This is your crowd. Yeah. These, are, these are your guys. These are so, all buddies, you know, so yeah. you got Charlie Kirk and Candace Owens and Kanye West and Elon Musk and you know, these guys all know each other and they're giving each other tips and I think yeah. in some cases coordinating their messaging. I have to assume that those guys could decide to sync up at any time and launch an information attack that other kinds of large actors like state entities could latch onto. The other thing that we've seen- Isn't that illegal, by the way? I mean, you'd think that running up stocks like that on false information would be illegal well, in the old world. Stocks, it's not illegal yeah. in the Bitcoin world? But there's no real regulation on the Bitcoin world. So mm. Coinbase right now is regulated as a money transfer service, mm. which is not regulated as a security. So there's real questions about whether people are buying Bitcoin on leverage, which in that case, they're basically getting margin type services. And while Coinbase itself doesn't provide those kinds of margin leverage services, they seem to be partnering with firms that do. So there's a lot of funny money that's mm -hmm. propping up the price of Bitcoin right now because people are borrowing money 
to buy it. So when have we seen this before? We right. saw this in 1929. We saw it in 1980 with this Hunt Brothers attempt to, to corner the silver market where they were borrowing, a lot of people were borrowing money, buying silver using money that they had borrowed. So there was a rule put in place in early 1980 called Silver Rule 7 mm -hmm. that prohibited the purchase of silver using uh, leverage. Right. And so what that ended up doing was it pretty well crashed the um, price of silver after about six weeks. Okay. And we had the same thing happen in 1933 with gold, where because the New Deal needed to be put into place, uh, a lot of the gold bug types, the people that were you know really enamored with the gold standard and thought that printing of money by the government was the equivalent of theft, which you can get into a long argument about, mm -hmm. they wanted to hoard gold. And so Roosevelt basically said, no, you can't do that. If you've got... Silver certificates, you got to turn them in by this date, you know, and gold certificates. And so they prohibited the, the hoarding of gold. And the same thing had to be done in 1980 with the Hunt brothers. And so what my personal opinion is that the same kind of thing is playing out with crypto. And some people say, well, crypto is not the same because crypto is not tangible. Well, in practice, neither is gold at scale. Like nobody's going right. to be sitting on some giant pile of gold personally. It becomes an abstraction. So there's not a lot of difference between Bitcoin and gold. And the reason why that they're similar is because Bitcoin is an abstraction that you can actually keep track of. You can assure continued long-term ownership of it and it's scarce in its nature so there's only so much bitcoin to go around so it, in that regard it functions exactly as digital gold and i think the difference between 1934 and 1980 and now is that we have not caught up to the fact that this same type of effort is being made to corner this like goofy commodity and uh, use it as a way to challenge the primacy of the dollar and we haven't implemented a rule to prevent that right now so i think we need to implement some kind of a reasonable precaution that says, look, if you're borrowing money to buy crypto, that's about to not be possible. Mm -hmm. And that would have the effect of lowering the price of crypto and stabilizing it would, it would to some extent, yeah. yeah. But there's people have to declare that and uh, and Coinbase would have to agree to do that, well, have to be forced to do that. But it doesn't help the hysteria part of it. I'm going to see an IPO tomorrow that's going to launch into a crazy way to the, how much is going to be worth, do we think, maybe 100 million, maybe more? Uh, it's, it's so much money. And that's going to create even more anticipation more interest in bitcoin probably drive the price up a bit more and you know more hysteria and then on yep. top of that you've got china and russia introducing well china in particularly introducing their yuan digital currency which may not enter our marketplace until 2024 or whatever but it's still the first time we've seen a government create a wallet that is going to allow the traditional money, the traditional one next to the digital currency and any bitcoin anything else you have in there by the government of china to integrate and mix all these currencies with each other. I mean, that to me, you know, looks like a move by China to dethrone the dollar and also create this kind of hysteria in order to create enough buzz to move more money into their one digital currency. No, it's, it it does feel to me like that there's a, a movement that is more than just one event that is happening coincidentally with another. They're all happening at the same time for a reason. And suppose that the Coinbase thing goes bananas tomorrow and Bitcoin goes way up and Tether goes way up. Of course, a lot of people think that buying Tether is a pretty good way of manipulating the price of Bitcoin because Tether is supposed to be tied to the dollar. So in theory, if you buy a ton of Tether, it could actually drive the price of Tether up, which in turn could drive the price of Bitcoin up. So there's easy ways to manipulate the market overall. And if things go really crazy tomorrow and things seem like they're just going through the roof and every, everything is optimistic and everything is wonderful, suppose on uh, Thursday, Elon Musk tweets, ah, stonks. And he basically makes fun of the traditional Whoa. stock market yeah. 
and in favor of all of this Bitcoin shit, what will happen is you'll end up with a bunch of people networked online saying things like, I'm fucking selling all my AAPL and my GOOG and I'm going all in on Tesla and BTC and whatever else. Mm-hmm. And you could see a really strong shift of assets coming about through the movement of crowds. And then you might say, well, shouldn't Elon Musk be like strong up for like market manipulation? But what did he do? He said stonks. Mm, (laughs) That ain't illegal. You can say stonks all you want. But him just doing that right after a successful Bitcoin day could have a really negative impact on the traditional financial market, which in turn, like if you crash the stock market, that's not going to be great for them. I was just going to say, we got a little taste of that with the meme stocks back in February, right? right. Yeah, I think that was mostly a test run. It's a real threat to the, to the market and the and the dollar in general. How do you think it'll work in this in in the actual Bitcoin market, Troy? Do you think people are going to are going to be funneling into that space, are going to be moving their funds into it? Uh, are they anticipating this kind of huge influx of money? Yeah, that's that seems to be the trend. And like you said, what uh, anyone who can is taking advantage of channeling all that hype and all that energy and getting the price of Coinbase and the price of BTC to play off of each other because each one legitimizes each other. Now the, it's gone from just the blockchain it has nothing to do. This is a brand new financial system. It's, it's brand new. Now it's gotten its claws into the stock market. Like it's on, it's going to be listed tomorrow and it's already being traded over the counter. And I, I, I haven't even looked very closely, but I think it's up something like four or $500 a share now. Wow. So it's going to be, it reminds me of Facebook. Cause if you remember Facebook, it went public and it went down. We weren't talking about such large numbers. I think it downloaded at four or debuted at 40 and went down to 32, like significant drops because this is all again, this is speculation on speculation, like that this is a new branch of the financial system. And this is, this is the first big company to go public. This is like the equivalent of the other, this is the dot-com boom all over again. Mm-hmm. These companies getting into this space and just making up domains and everyone getting in who's not going to, who doesn't want to buy pets.com like that mm-hmm. on fire right now. Mm-hmm. And that was just a website that you could still visit the archive version if you go to Wikipedia and it's just, <laughs> a website that like your kid could do now and it was nothing but speculation were there. Obviously this is different. This is something that was, you know, created in 2009 and now has withstood the scrutiny and whatever attacks could be mustered. If you think about, you know, hackers the and the concept of a honeypot, if someone wanted to mess with it, if someone wanted to start compromising the system, they would have done it by now just to do it. Now there's a huge financial incentive to do and they haven't and that hasn't happened yet. So it it gives it legitimacy and then influencers can inject legitimacy at any time. And timing is everything. Out, like you were saying, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Like you were saying earlier, the, the biggest thing keeping uh, markets from being manipulated on the stock market is the laws that prevent insider trading. You can't right. have insight. And what that is, is inside information. If the ABC widget company is about to be bought by Facebook and their stock's going to go way up as soon as that information goes public and you buy a stock in the ABC widget company, knowing it's going to make you a bunch of money, then you're going to go to prison. And if you lie about it, you're going to go to prison for longer because that would be very and bad for the entire like system. This. There's nothing like and this in the space. There's no Bitcoin is not regulated. In the blockchain way. is not regulated. And the same things that are that, that are sold as the strengths are also what's keeping it on this inorganic path where it can be manipulated. There's no laws against coordinating large enough buys to make the price go up just because you're trying to time it the way 
if you want to. I don't really have the elevator pitch on this work, but basically what I'm trying to say is there's nothing to stop people from working together to game the system. And this is a system that the more money goes in, the market caps a trillion dollars now. Yeah. Not just people, could be states, could be organized criminal networks, could be anything. Yeah. You're talking about, you've talked about all these networks we're talking about, the one that Dave's talking about, this uh, sort of extremist CNP network that exists in the US. You talk about the network that might be the organized crime network out of Russia or the Chinese and, and Russian now cooperation on this dollar hegemony uh, fight. All of those could be pouring money in a coordinated way to achieve whatever result they want. And if they wanted to, potentially they could tank the market. I mean, you think they could if they, if there's that much money pouring in, they might be able to one day tank the market. I think if they keep wobbling, it's like a big piece of furniture. If you keep getting it going and do it again and again, eventually you can have that effect. And I would also point out that coordination that they may undertake need not be strictly direct coordination or hierarchical in any way. All you have to do is put out a tweet that says game on and a bunch of people that know what it means that the game is on can just act independently. And there's no way you can call that collusion or anything. Mm. It's just people doing stuff. And it doesn't have to work perfectly. It doesn't have to do on January 6th. They didn't uh, because of a lot of, you know, really brave people and a lot of luck. It wasn't worse than it was. So it didn't undermine our government. We got what we needed to do done that night, and we made a point to do it to show that you right. can't just come in with sharp elbows and, and impose your will on democracy. But now it's different. It's, it's the Wild West. You've got there's no regulation yes. here, and anything could happen. And you say if the tanks, if the stock market tanks, then it's still government that has to show up and and support your banks from not foreclosing on your homes or whatever. So government's still there carrying the can on this thing that they have no regulation over to undermine the financial system. Even if the goal is to subvert the dollar entirely and replace it with Bitcoin, if they don't succeed, they've still they've still done more to damage the reputation and the trust. And that's erosion of trust is one of the biggest themes that you can you could tie a thread through the last five, six, seven, all the way to two thousand eight. Yeah. Trust in institutions. If you can undermine it, you were successful and you are now closer to being able to undermine it again and have people lose faith and it's an iterative process. Yeah. Yeah. Just thought of what that $5 trillion might be. Yeah. Say you've got $5 trillion that you have loaned, really. The American government has loaned $5 trillion to do the infrastructure thing and to do the, the COVID thing based on really low interest rates, right? Now, imagine yeah. the stock market crashes because of a Bitcoin or a coordinated attack on the stock market. Suddenly, interest rates are going to have to go up. Now, you've got a $5 trillion problem. That could be it. Yeah, and I think that some of these folks are realizing, too, that because of all of this extra stimulus money, that's so much of that money has gone directly into the stock market as well. Mm, and that's right. another interesting point is that if you think about the people that are that started 2020 really rich, they ended 2020 much richer because mm. people don't know what to do with this money. There was nothing to spend it on last year, so people just stuffed it into the stock market. Right. And so things are really overinflated. The dollar is overextended to a large extent. It's strong, but it's still – we've got a lot of them floating around out there. Five trillion new ones. It feels like a pretty unstable moment. And to the extent that you could inject energy that's destabilizing into the system, you could topple different things. And it, mm-hmm. the results may not be predictable. But as you guys were saying, it doesn't necessarily have, it doesn't have to be a perfect thing. All you have to do is like create some damage and accelerate yeah, it to the next stage. You know? Again, that damage ripples out. And we're talking about theoretical things, but there always there's real world consequences. It's like Dave said, somebody's grandma loses their house. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the part that scares me is the human suffering that can be like 
that that happens. I saw it in 2008. I was touring the country. Right. And I used to work with rock bands and I'd go sit in front of my hotel in Houston, like a St. Regis or something. And there'd be somebody on a park bench next to me who was like, yeah, I had a job at Walmart and I got laid off in 2008. And then I lost my apartment. And now I like live on this park bench, like not deranged homeless people, like people who the system didn't work for them. And like you guys just said, you know, I'm in Westchester County. I'm in a town like hedge fund guys, and there's a few famous billionaires here, people that did really well in the last year. And I go into the city every day, and like, there's construction everywhere. There's new buildings going up everywhere. There's people at the high end of the real estate market buying these huge apartments all the time. And you look at the streets, and every other store is closed. There's never been more people living in the streets. It, it's like Dave said, it doesn't look like a healthy moment. It may be an exciting moment. It may be overinflated with capital. And certain people are having a great time and trying to even figure out what to spend all this money on. Mm. But it doesn't look like a, a, a healthy, sustainable situation we're in. So anything that's going to spike those markets and add further volatility is terrifying to me, especially if it can be somebody like Elon Musk, who's clearly like a Batman villain in my mm. mind. And I worked with Kanye. Like, if you don't want anything. He came and did a Sandy benefit I worked on after Hurricane Sandy, and I was the after coordinator. And I had to chase him around all night to just get him to sign his paperwork, and he never did and left the building. And then we put out a film, and finally his manager told to me he's like no he's not signing it we don't need the money screw it but we couldn't release the movie with his performance in it oh, and wow. make money it was a charity charity event oh, wow. i was like so that's the i trust me that guy's out of his mind and you don't want him getting together because somebody like elon musk could manipulate kanye all day long mm. it's like trump you just flatter these guys and you can get them to do whatever they want so it's scary it's just mm -hmm. terrifying it seems like the masters of the universe have figured out that they can boom bust the market themselves and make a fortune off it and then they don't have to worry about getting jobs for everybody or feeding everybody right. that's just there's another way to earn a lot of money uh it seems where we're at troy yeah. what, what what are your thoughts on all this it's non-linear warfare it's mm. taking advantage of weaknesses we have vulnerabilities that are based on our constitution like these are the what we founded these are traditionally our strengths our, our, our liberty and freedom and they're selling these you know cryptocurrencies as liberty and freedom mm. while completely ignoring that it's going to the, the end goal for everyone is to completely undermine what underwrites the U.S. government, the U.S. military, the concept of infrastructure. Like they have either no idea or they're being extremely disingenuous and holding back a lot of information. The, the, it's just like they sell themselves as the replacement to bankers and Wall Street, but they are now, I mean, t tell me the difference, like the attire and the and now they're on computers and not terminals in a building. Yeah. But there was a there was an acronym they would use back then, or I'm sure they still do use IBG, YBG, the people that make the kind of legislation that repeals Glass-Steagall and takes regulation, rolls regulation back so that more money can be you know, created and more opportunities can be created, which means you know, that cut is still 99 to 1%, but it's more money. So they look good while they're doing it. And then 20 years later, you get the mortgage crisis because those were those, those really bad mortgages were rebranded and resold as securities that could be traded and had some kind of value. And really they were just junk bonds dressed up yes. with a triple A grade 
from right. someone that you were supposed to trust. So it's, I can't think of another way where you could convince the citizens of a country to go and try and cash in all of their holdings in the companies that make us strong. I'm not, I'm not a fang, Facebook, Apple, uh, Google, uh, Netflix. I'm not a fan, but those are our, our biggest companies in, and they do drive a lot of American innovation. And if we're going to let our own people be manipulated into working against their own interests. That is like Dave was saying, that's anti-democratic. We're not even able to make informed decisions to our own interests because we've been just swarmed by propaganda and people activated by propaganda. And yeah, everyone has a right to do what they want, but that they also have a right to be fully informed. And I think I, you've all probably experienced at some point the Bitcoin trolls, the laser eyes coming out and, and telling you all the reasons why you're bad and stupid and they're smart and, and cool. But every time they do, it should be seen as something unsettling. Like there's no investment. If you're serious about investment, there's been no fanboying in the history of investment. Second to Bitcoin and Tesla, no one was wearing IBM shirts in the 70s. No one was like standing Apple. Exactly. Like, it just worked because they made good stuff. Yeah. And now it's completely warped. And I'm, I'm not saying we're too far gone, but we don't have the best information. So they shouldn't be worried about every single attack against their ideologies and against the blockchain and against mm -hmm. Bitcoin and every argument against it makes it stronger because it either takes down Bitcoin and everybody comes to realize, oh, it's a scam and we got to sell Bitcoin to make it go back down to zero. Great. Then Bitcoin's been defeated. And why? That's not going to happen. If you really believe in Bitcoin, if you're invested in Bitcoin and you believe it, it is the future and attacks and commentary shouldn't bother you. It gives you an opportunity to shore up your weaknesses and make it this thing that can you know last generations. Right now, it's 15 years old, less than 15 years old. It's the US dollar is much older than that. It's been what drives the world economy since World War II. And I have a lot more faith in that than a Bitcoin. Despite yeah. what's happening, it might be the hot thing right now, but everyone just needs to take a step back and realize how fast this is happening and this information. And now it's information and money and the economy. It's a very big problem. I know we're like an hour and a half show here, but it yeah, deserves we're going to more, time. more time. And the thing that I, which bothers me or scares me the most is the American people have had this dollar to use as a way to force human rights, as a way to encourage human rights, maybe this is a better term, as an instrument of foreign influence for over a century now. At least that's how we've used it the last century. Once we lose that dominance, once we lose the American dollars of you know, dominance as, as the currency that must be uh, used for all beta transactions in the world, and, and that's beginning to deteriorate, then it's a lot harder for us to do that. It's a lot harder for us to go anywhere in the world and say, hey, listen, you've got to be a lot more like us. You've got to protect women's rights or, or protect, uh, you know, or defeat racism or whatever it is you're trying to say. It's a lot harder to do that without, without the dollar at your back. Dave. Well, what has been no. Putin saying since like the year 2000? Like since he was four feet tall when he was a little, little czar, he's been saying, you know, that the whole problem with the world is U.S. It's a unipolar world now since the end of the Cold War and there's no check and balance to the United States. Yeah. And that has informed like almost all of the propaganda that gave way to the last five years. It's not a coincidence. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and I might just say that I think it's probably premature to predict the dollar's demise or its lack of influence. I think it is going to make, remain the dominant mode of financial expression for a long time. The thing that I think that 
we do need to try to do, though, is recognize the potential threat that these kinds of you know, alternative currencies combined with information operations pose to stability and to perception also. To the extent that perception is reality, these folks are aiming to alter perception at scale. And if there's a growing perception that the dollar isn't as dominant, that other things are better and whatever, that does erode U.S. power. And so in my opinion, like the main cure here is to try to curb the ability of these kinds of information ops and for cryptocurrencies to potentially cause damage to the dollar's reputation and to the perception of the dollar. And I don't think that you're going to see like the ruble or the renminbi suddenly gain in popularity relative to the dollar. But Bitcoin presents this kind of wild card for manipulation and for altering perception that I think people don't widely understand. And I think that's what needs to be kind of put a cap in that. Like Mm. that needs to be slowed down. And if if you can do that, then the dollar will continue to do its thing. The other thing that I think people have talked about is should the U.S. come out with a federally backed thing that's done by like the Fed, that's a cryptocurrency that would actually be useful as cash. And I think there's some arguments for that that could be interesting. And I don't know that people in the Fed kind of world agree with that right now. I know that they've been looking at it and that they've decided for now not to do anything. But in my opinion, it might be wise to say you're going to do something and nurse it along merely to remove the competition from non-state actors as being like where the action is. Start to do something that detracts from non-state actors, because I think we do want to maintain that dollar dominance around the world. And a way to do that would be to participate more in cryptocurrencies. Again, I'm not a a real expert in this. I'm making this up as I go along. And I think as are a lot of people. So it's a conversation that we need to have as a country. And that's what concerns me the most is that we're not really having an open or clear headed conversation about that. Yeah, it's happening so quickly. And once it happens, it's hard to, uh, it's hard to turn back. Uh, you guys have been terrific. What an interesting conversation, which you're not having. I wish we could have more of it. The thing that seems to me so evident is that we need a lot of legislation. We need regulation in addition to also criminal legislation to figure out what crimes uh, might be committed on this and how to avert that as well. So it's not just like one piece of legislation we need. We need a lot to go in here to figure out exactly how we can control this. And I do think that over the next few months, it's going to be very hard for us to to ignore what Elon Musk of the world do and on, on social media. I think so that social media is going to be triggering a whole lot of economic activity. So even though you've got the, uh, the head of the Fed coming out yesterday saying the economy is blowing up and get ready for this heated engine to, to bring back people to work, you're also going to have this other thing going on, which is Elon Musk and company manipulating the markets with, with Bitcoins. All of that's going to play into how we come out of this pandemic and, and have an economic recovery. The narrative is funded by viewers like you. Support our independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. I was away for a couple of days for the first time in over a year. It was such a good opportunity to be on the road and it felt so good. It also gave me a chance to catch up on no less than eight books in one two-hour drive. And that's because I was using this incredible app called Blinkist. It's hard to find the time to sit down and read and learn more. So when you don't have that free time, you can't read or work on your personal development. That's really annoying. Blinkist is really unique and it works on your phone, your tablet, 
or your web browser, Blinkist takes the best key takeaways that need to know information from thousands of nonfiction books and condenses them down to just 15 minutes each that you can read or listen to. Right now, for a limited time, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com reach. Try it free for seven days and save 25% off your new subscription. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com reach to start your free seven-day trial. And you'll also save 25% off, but only when you go and sign up right now at Blinkist.com slash reach.